Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jessie Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 79 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, for the first time, my husband, Tim, is joining us as a guest. We're talking to him about how partners handle type 1 diabetes. Jesse, you have the win this week. So my win this week has to do with a little bit of my organizational skills and finally stopped procrastinating on some stuff. So I finally went on the MSU website and I made a list of all the things that I need to do before move-in day or for MSU. It's not a very long list and it, it isn't very specific to my personal needs, but it's more specific to the needs of the school for me to go. Like having screening done for tuberculosis and immunization paperwork that needs to be submitted. My next step is to set dates on when I'm going to get that stuff done. And what's our fail this week, Colleen? So major, major fail with my insurance company. Despite sending a letter at the end of last year saying that they would cover my Novolog after I asked for pre-authorization, they have apparently just changed their minds and are straight up not even allowing a pre-authorization. So it's a choice between Humalog and a super fast-acting insulin by Eli Lilly that isn't actually approved for pumps, called Lumiev, and I hope that's how I pronounce it, but that's just how they say to pronounce it on their website. It's spelled really weird. But my endocrinologist is going through that appeals process to get me coverage for Novolog, hopefully, because it's stupid. You know, we've talked before about non-medical switching in episode seven, and this is what we mean. The insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers decide arbitrarily to cover or not cover a product based on their relationship with the manufacturers. Both the insulins my insurance is covering this year are by Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk is just not in the picture anymore. So listen up pharmacy benefit managers, doing this just adds stress to our lives. The medications that we use should be determined by what works best for us, not what company you think will cut you a better deal. Changing up what you cover just because it's a new insurance cycle just injects a lot of stress, uncertainty, and confusion into our lives because when we find a medication or a system that works, we breathe a sigh of relief because it works. We don't have to go through all that process to find something again. Just making us arbitrarily change it or go back to a medication that doesn't work as well or doesn't work at all for us is not okay. So rant over for now at least. Jesse, what is our tip? So our tip actually goes to the people who are in a relationship with the type 1 diabetic. And since we're talking about relationships today, I thought this would be the appropriate episode to say this. If you're dating somebody with type 1 diabetes or blood sugar control issues, it's always a good idea to carry around diabetic snacks or supplies with you. And this could look like putting stuff in your car or having a spare fruit snack in your jacket. 
Even though it may not seem like a big deal, it actually shows that you're invested in your partner's diabetes and their health. And now we get to interview my husband. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to be here. Give us the rundown of who you are and the role that diabetes plays in your life. I'm Tim Mitchell. I'm a chef, a food blogger, and a house spouse. And the role diabetes plays in my life is that my wife is type 1. That's pretty much the extent of it. Is there any diabetes on your side of the family? There is a little bit of type 2 that runs in my mom's side of the family, but I don't interact with their diabetes in any tangible way. What's your favorite thing and least favorite thing about type 1 diabetes? Camp is 100% my favorite thing. And my least favorite thing used to be sleeping because her pump would go erratically and wake me up. And since she's a heavier sleeper, I would get woken up several times and I'm supposed to let the cycle go to see if it corrects itself first. But since Control IQ came into the picture, that's been much better and I haven't needed to wake her. And the only time that she drops a lot is when she's lying on her sensor. That's called a compression low. And I'll, if, if he doesn't wake me up, I'll probably just roll over and that'll self-correct it after a few minutes. Since that's no longer a huge issue, my current least favorite thing is, well, insurance and the stress that causes. And when she's on road trips or out and uh, the number goes low, I get notifications that say urgent low and I I have to contact her and I sometimes don't get an immediate response and sometimes the sensor goes out and don't get responses to that and that's a little more stress inducing. So would you, just as a side question, would you prefer that you didn't have that on your phone? Like you didn't know altogether that she was going low? No, or I, I want it there. It's, okay. It's uh, just the fact that it happens. It doesn't happen a lot. But like when she went on a ski trip uh, a few That was a year ago. Back. That was like a year <laughs> yeah. ago now. But yeah, my uh, sensor basically just was intermittent on the way there. And then it straight up died on the ski slope. And I was, I had to wait three hours for it to be before uh, Dexcom would replace it. So I was sitting in the ski lodge for like three hours, not skiing, just waiting for it to tell me that it was past three hours. And then I called Dexcom and they replaced it. But when I got back to the place we were staying, because I had to wait for us to get back to where we were staying before I could change it, I changed the sensor and it took two hours to start up. And then it was a rough sensor. So it was, it was giving basically the wrong readings the whole time that I was gone. And so basically the whole trip that I was on, Tim did not get accurate readings or readings at all. It was great. And then I got urgent lows in the middle of the night. That was fun. I had to call her, wake her up. Ew. What do you think of the different types of ways to control diabetes? Well, personally, I hate needles and they make me uncomfortable to even see. So I really like the whole pump aspect. And I think that pumps and CGMs go really well into daily life. What does burnout mean to you? It means just being tired of doing anything that has to do with whatever you're burning out of, whether it be type 1 diabetes or in other aspects of your life. Have you had burnout? Not with my diabetes, but maybe with something else? 
sometimes I get a little irritated at your diabetes, but it's not gotten to the point of burnout for me. And I guess I get a little bit of it in sometimes or some aspects of my life, but I just move on. How do you, how do you move on though? Like, how do you manage that? doesn't change how life goes. So you kind of have to figure out a way to just adapt or ignore it. Just accept it and move on. Exactly. What advice do you have for diabetics who are feeling burnt out? I'd say figure out what part of diabetes, whatever problem you have with burning out, which part you hate and try to fix it. Or otherwise you're just going to suffer later because if you just ignore it, then you're going to go on, rampages of being high and low and gonna destroy your body. So what are some major changes that you've seen with diabetes over the time you've been with Colleen? So initially I was not super involved. And so she's always been like independent about it and controlling. And over time I've gotten her to open up and give me information about it. And so I can I can do things but I don't, I still don't in daily life since she still controls it. And that's fine. But now I know what to do in some situations. Are there parts of it that you want to have more control over? No. Fair enough. So our listeners are aware, Tim and I have been together for six years as of yesterday when we record this and we're recording this on January 21st. Tim, knowing what you know now, what do you wish you'd done differently diabetes-wise in the first few years of our relationship since now we're six years in? Well, I would start with the type of insulin. That would have been uh, helpful earlier to do with the non-medical switching that they want you to do now. Since you switched, it's been much better. You've also had some changes with like your quick surger. It's been uh, longer and thinner and the tubing longer. And that's been much better for you. Well, when we were when we first met, I was on the Medtronic 723, which was a beast, but it was not compatible with the, uh, maybe it was compatible with the old Harpoon Medtronic sensors, but I was never on Medtronic sensors. And so you saw the change from Medtronic to Tandem and you saw, actually, were you, I think I got on Dexcom right about when we started dating. Yeah, but I was still around you for that. That's true. Because we met in college. So we've known each other since 2012, but we've been like dating, dating since 2015. Yeah. 1-2015. And then of course, keto. Mm. Big change. Yep. I switched to keto in uh, January of 2016. And since then, I've lost like 67 pounds total. And still working on the last few. I'm talking about your number stability. Oh yeah, that too. My numbers got way better. I went from like seven, eight A1Cs to now consistently in the fives, the low fives. Nice. And how much insulin? Because now you're between 20 and 30. Yeah, I, um, I've i halved my insulin. So when we uh, first started dating, I was in the like 60 to 70 units a day. And now I'm between 20 and 30 units, which is huge, huge savings, not just in terms of amount of insulin use, but also in terms of how much money is spent on the insulin. Do you have a favorite memory or a cherished memory about or with type 1 diabetes involved in some way? 
Uh, I two two come to mind. One being in college when we were in the Emmy Lounge, and uh, she started beeping, so I just started chucking fruit snacks or crackers at her. And if it was the wrong beep, then I got the snack back, and if not, then I got a thank you. And the ME lounge is the mechanical engineering lounge because we both have degrees in mechanical engineering. And the second one was early on when we started dating. We were either just coming back from dinner or going to it. And she pulls out her pump and hands it to me. And I think it was reading your Dexcom to like, you were high and it was looking to see how much insulin you needed. And I randomly guessed pretty close to how much you needed. And I had no idea what that meant, but I was close. He's good at guessing. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. <laughs> okay. So tell us about the unique supporting role you have as Colleen's partner. How does her diabetes affect your life? So for the most part, it's just on the back burner for me since she is so controlling of it. So I'm basically just moral support and chef and whatever else I can do to help facilitate things. But she does her diabetes on her own. I still hand him my pump in the car though. I just, if it'll vibrate, I just pull it out and hand it to him and he just, he knows what to do. When you're driving. When I'm driving. Not when he's driving. That would be weird. What were some of the things that you struggled or still struggle with understanding about diabetes? Like, do you get the abbreviations and the acronyms, EVM, A1C, sites, sensors, transmitters, all that, all the terminology? I did have a big, big trouble with that in the first few years. I still mess up sites and sensors and all that stuff just because they're so interchangeable a lot of the times. But between having detailed discussions with you about it, because of camp or around camp, I come to know pretty much all the things that I need to. And so I know what CGM is and I know what A1C is. I don't really understand A1C, but I know it's good when it's low. I don't actually know what the A1C stand for, stands for, except for hemoglobin A1C test. And I know it just means how much sugar is your, are your blood cells carrying around. It's pretty much what it is. What do you think is the most important thing you do to support me? Being here, I guess. Moral support. Emotional support. Empathizing when I'm mad at my pump. Or insurance. Or insurance, yeah. Because that one's the theme today. So, Colleen, what do you think the most important thing he does to support you? I think he does a tremendous job with handling my food. Because I eat low-carb. And with the nature of my work and how much I do, it is kind of impractical to have me do my own food prep. And so I've basically delegated all of that to him. And so I'll request different foods or I'll uh, oblige to try his different creations that he's made for his website or just because he's experimenting. So him taking the food aspect off of my plate, unintended, so that I have more time to focus on the other work that I do is really good because then I don't have to worry about figuring out how much time it'll take to make things or any of that because it's already taken care of. So how did I first introduce my diabetes to you? I don't know that you actually introduced it to me. Rather, it just like kept coming up 
in casual conversation because we were in classes and pulling out your Medtronic at that point. Was there a moment where you're like, I wonder what that is? I don't think so. I think pulled it out and probably one of our classes and that it was for diabetes. And that's about as far as I got for the next two years. That is like so freakouts. <laughs> that is like so calm. When I introduce diabetes to somebody, they freak out. They're like, you're going to die. You're going to like, you're, you're fit. Your organ doesn't work. Like I get berated with questions. That is so, you got lucky Colleen. I'm just going to say that because that, I don't get that. <laughs> he is a cool cucumber. <laughs> he doesn't like cucumbers. Or zucchini. Or zucchini. Yeah, I like all of the vegetables, but he's just like, nah, the only vegetable I need is onion. Or and garlic. So Colleen, how did you start to involve your husband Tim with your diabetes? Were there any like struggles or things that you were self-conscious about to introduce to him? I don't think there was anything that I was self-conscious about. Maybe sight changes at first, but it all kind of just blended together because he was so chill with it at the beginning. I don't think, like you just said, there was really a moment where I was like, I have type 1 diabetes, and if this, this, or this happens, then you need to do that, that, and that. So it was just kind of a natural progression of this is part of my life, and this is part of me, and now that we're together, it's part of your life too, so welcome. But like I said earlier, I think a lot of part of it was just starting to like hand my pump to him to handle while I was doing other things because I couldn't do it at the time. Like when I'm driving, that was probably the one of the earliest things that I started doing. So Tim, how do you think that our relationship has grown and evolved with diabetes and all the other health challenges in the mix? I don't think that diabetes has really affected it, but like you said earlier, the uh, keto thing that helped in uh building up a relationship, foundations. Keto love, keto life. Were there any awkward moments with diabetic conversations that maybe you guys can laugh about now? Probably a few. <laughs> placements. and. What do you mean by placements? Where you place your sensors and sights and how high you have to go and which would be better and scar tissue and all that. Yeah. Not super awkward. I mean, some of the most... I don't know if it's awkward, but it's most annoying is all the compression lows because those really, they're not just frustrating for him. They're also frustrating for me because then I have to find a new place to, to sleep on and I have to adjust and make sure that I roll over and don't roll back on it so that it's not going to compress it again, especially if the position I was in was literally the most comfortable because then I have to basically upset my sleep position for that. The compression lows are just annoying. I don't know if awkward, but annoying, definitely. And sometimes there are um, like, there'll be pump issues or something that I can laugh about later. Maybe I'm not far enough removed from some of those events yet, but like um, my pump uh, charging failure. And so having to get a new pump overnighted on Christmas Eve last year, not last year, but the year before, because my uh, pump basically died. That was fun. Ew. If you guys could go back and do things differently at the start, what would be the biggest change that you guys would see? Diet. Yeah, I was going to say diet too. If I could go back and change anything, it would be changing how I eat up front. Do you want to add anything else to that or just nodding? 
I'm going to keep nodding. (laughs) Would you do anything differently, Tim? That would be the thing I'd do differently. Is started earlier. So you would just get, you would get into the keto earlier? Yeah, I'd still introduce you to Pad Thai, but. That is something that is a little upsetting is that I only learned about Pad Thai after I went low carb. And so I'm kind of sad for my college self that was eating carbs that she didn't know about how delicious Pad Thai is. Shrimp Pad Thai is my favorite. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) But Tim has also has, um, he's done keto versions of Pad Thai and they're actually pretty good. And you can find probably recipes for that on his website. No, no, it's from a cookbook. Never mind. He, you can't find recipes for that on a website. Well, at least not on his. Do you have any advice for partners of type one diabetics? Maybe how to introduce it or anything else you think is useful? I mean, just introduce it. It's something to know. It's not like it affects the combination of you two together. It's just a fact. And so if you give a little basic information, Questions can come up now. Questions can come up later. And if all the facts are known, then it's not a big deal. I would also add that as a partner, you should have compassion and understanding because they're, they're going through it themselves. So it's like, it's not like you're going through it. They are. And there are days when it's just like my diabetes is not behaving today. And so maybe I might be more upset that day. And just having that understanding and compassionate partner is really powerful for me to feel better. And also like if I need to cut something short or we need to leave a certain place early because maybe my, my pump is um, getting empty or like I need to change a sensor, then just being able to kind of go with the flow of diabetes is really important. But you've never had the issue where your highs and your lows make you super aggravated or something. It's just the fact that they're constantly high or constantly low. That's mm-hmm. the thing that's aggravating. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Yeah. And also when I'm low, it's like 50, 50 chance that everything is 50 is like twice as funny or more likely to make me angry. And it's a toss up, which one it is. That's if I'm actually low. Fun. All right. So here's our wrap up questions. And what advice would you have for all the young diabetics out there, Tim? My advice would be yeah. until there's a cure, you have to learn everything about it all about diabetes and yourself, learn about your body and your mind and just get comfortable with it because it's a part of you. And if you ignore it, then it damages you. And if you don't know enough about it, then you can damage yourself unawaringly. I'm going to keep going with that word. <laughs> like, I don't know, more advice for partners is like, if even if you're a control freak about it, just let your partner handle it. Let them get used to it. Teach them. Don't let it just sit there and be something to isolate yourself. You got to involve people. If you completely isolate yourself and don't tell anyone about it, then not good. Very solitary. What projects are you working on that you're super excited about? I am working on my blog, which is a food blog, trying to get it to... He has a website called Split Appetites. You can find that at splitappetites.com. He puts up recipes and takes pictures of the stuff he makes. And he likes experimenting with food and stuff and low carb, basically turning high carb stuff into low carb stuff, right? 
it's a place where I take high carb things and I either make low carb versions of it or ways to make it so it can be compatible with high carb things. But I also don't want to lose all the regular recipes or some would call them high carb. So I added those just so that, cause they're good recipes too. And if somebody else wants to mix, mix them up or change them, then they can do that. He has a, a filling. It's like Buffalo something, Buffalo chicken. And he puts it in grand's biscuits. And every time he makes them, I call them heathen biscuits because they're high carb. <laughs> What's your favorite low carb recipe on your website? My favorite thing on the website right now is probably my red sauce, but different. It's an inspiration of starting with tomatoes, which I hate, and cream cheese, and forming a base sauce around that. And it turned out really well the first few times I made it. And so now it's on my website, and Elaine loves it. Can confirm. I do love it. So we already mentioned your website, Split Appetites. If people want to connect with you further online, where, where can they find you? You can find me on my website, just leave a comment or when I get email set up, or you can contact me on Twitter at Split Appetites. And we will link to that in the show notes. Do you have any final words of wisdom? For the partners out there, maybe as a further way of getting involved in your partner's life, uh, take an afternoon and just hand your pump over. Let them do everything for you. You can watch over their shoulder and everything, but let them do it. They can understand the carbs and the ratios or insulin and the effects it has, but it'll also make them feel better about being involved. Yeah, let them get get used to the pump and see what it does and poke through all the menus. Did we actually do that? No. Do you want to? A little late. Aw. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us today, Tim. Of course. Pleasure to be here. All right. Awesome. Our audience question for y'all this week is, how did you introduce diabetes to your partner? And what were some of your partner's questions for you? That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. Thank you so much to my husband, Tim, for coming on as a guest to the show. You can find Tim on Twitter at Split Appetites or on his website, splitappetites.com. And you can find the links to both of those in the show notes. And you can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 79. That's the number 79. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, fill out the form on our podcast page at thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. I have a free Facebook group where I coach people for free in the comments and I go live on most Saturdays. You can join life and mindset coaching by visiting the link in the show notes. It's hard to do things on your own and feel like you're successful at doing them. If you want help losing weight, reducing stress and improving your relationships, book a free consult with me at inspiredforward.com book. I'm on all social media as at inspired forward and you can find me on DMP diabetes management platform as at Colleen Mitchell with a space. And our email is Colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. If you do reach out on Instagram, make sure you let me know that you're a listener of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to listen next week when we talk about how puberty affects type 1 diabetes control. 
If you're a parent of a preteen or a type one kiddo heading into those years, this episode might be one you really want to listen to to prepare. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.